Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome. This is the Witness to This podcast. You're listening to episode four. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson. And today we have with us a special guest, Sydney Olson of Tempest Free Run. Sydney was an amazing interview. We sat down, we spoke about a ton of things. We went over what it takes to have longevity in parkour and in your career. We spoke about the sacrifices it takes to reach your goals and to become a professional, the importance of getting out of your comfort zone and adapting to the new and staying true to yourself as well as your core values. We also spoke about the importance of traveling and what she got out of that lace-up tour that went down last year and also just how to find your confidence. So this interview with Sydney was way more fun than I anticipated. It was really cool to get the perspective of such a powerful female athlete in our sport. And I'm really hoping that you guys enjoy this. Before you listen, you already know what I'm going to ask you. If this is not your first time here, you know the price of admission, which is you need to screenshot the podcast right now share it on social media tag witness this underscore brand tag sydney olson and let's have this conversation continue well after i'm off of this microphone without further ado let's jump right into it record button and then we gotta chill out and i could always delete what i have to delete (laughs) sweet oh see like if i were to start a podcast i'd be the one that's like don't mess up because i'm not gonna edit this (laughs) Oh, that's messed up. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So now we're just going to keep it like I'm not editing anything. I can hear the golf cart in the background. That wasn't a golf cart. We're at war. All right. That's (laughs) the enemy out there. Oh. Well, all right then. Sweet. So what's up, guys? It's Marlon here, and we're hanging out with Sydney Olson. We're at Woodward, PA. That's right. Ooh, and I've been hanging out with her for the last couple of days now. Super cool. Been learning a ton. Super funny, super interesting. You are just like, it's cool when you meet someone. It's like, oh, I only know you through social media. And then they actually end up being really cool. Yeah, so, I'm a bit of that. a goofball. Yeah, thank you for that, though. So we've been talking about a lot. And as you found out about me, I'm all about longevity and trying to get athletes to promote, I guess, the background story of what's going on behind the highlight clips behind what you're just seeing on the social media. Talking to you, I found out there is a lot of intention and thoughtfulness and mindfulness with your movement and your actions between parkour and just your career. So I want to ask you, what are your ideas on longevity in the sport as far as movement and even as a career? Because you do pursue free running and parkour as a full-time career. So how do you view longevity? What do you do to promote that for yourself? And what can someone else do to potentially go down the path with with a little less bumps that you had to hit? Well, when I first started free running, I was 17 and I had never understood anything about longevity. And basically every time I would train, I wouldn't warm up. I would just go out there and like, try and throw things that were new to me and not knowing how to land correctly and just (laughs) my knees were hating me my ankles were hating me and I just didn't seem to understand that 
there was a lot of preventative measures that I could be taking rather than just getting hurt all the time. So I started getting back into shape because when I first started doing parkour, I was like pretty out of shape, I would say. And um, I hadn't worked out in probably like three years or so. (laughs) So for me to just like go from that, not being physical at all to like doing things where you have to land on the wall in a certain way and have to get it so precise, like that was really hard for my body to handle. And so yeah, I started getting stronger and was like working out a ton so that way I could at least get in shape enough to be able to take the impact the way I needed to. And then after that, I was just going for a lot of things that I wasn't quite ready for. I would like take things outside that I hadn't trained enough in a gym and like over time it was starting to really wreck my body and I was getting hurt, like broken so many bones already. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, so I'm 26 and I've broken 14 bones. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> It's horrible. And I think most of those had been after starting parkour. And it does not have to be that way. Like, I know that we view getting injured as something that's like somewhat inevitable. And it is because like, you're gonna, like, you're not gonna get through the sport without having to deal with some kind of pain along the way. But it is a thing that can help you grow. And eventually you can, you can, you can learn to be smarter with that kind of stuff. But I would say that as soon as I started to see parkour as a career and I started to understand that I was a professional athlete, I needed to actually be taking extra steps to take care of my body because if I get hurt, then I can't work. <laughs> and that's really scary to just not be able to work for a long time, you know, while you're like healing up whatever, like ACL tear or <laughs> broken ankle or whatever. So, um, Sorry, I'm like out of breath. <laughs> no, I'll take your time. <laughs> so um, for me, I I do a lot of conditioning classes on the side. I want to make sure that my body's like super strong and has basically has like all this armor around it. So that way I'm not like just skin and bones or anything. Like I have a lot of muscle there. So that way I can like do the jumps that I need to do, but also land them correctly without like my ankle just giving out on me, you know, just being able to take all the impact that I need, but also being strong enough to go for those jumps in the first place. And then um, I also do yoga. So I do that probably like once or twice a week, but I, yeah, I'm just really not flexible. Like I need to work more on it, but it is, it is a nice thing for me to do. And it like helps me reset my mind and everything as well. And then what else do I do? I actually do <laughs> kickboxing as well, which oh, is, no it's, yeah, yeah. It's good to do like something else, some kind of cross training as well. And like, believe it or not, it's actually really, really helped with like my momentum and everything, like as far as training and being able to like learn new skills because you're constantly having to like learn how to like put your feet in a certain place. Like there's a lot of footwork as well as like hand work in combat sports and stuff. So if you can learn how to do all that correctly, like hit a pad or hit a person, then like for some reason, it's just easier to do footwork and parkour, if that makes sense. I think it makes sense. And I think it adds to making you more adaptable when mm-hmm. you start to do things that put you back in that beginner's mindset, like yoga or kickboxing. You're working that part of your brain that constantly allows you to overcome new challenge and new obstacle. So when you bring it back to your parkour movement, you've worked that so well that you're able to adapt on just like in an instant for whatever it is your line requires out of you, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So that kind of actually leads us into my next question, which is what's your mindset around progression? Because that's something I think a lot of people 
struggle with, especially as they start to get really good. It's almost like they get to the place where they don't know how to progress further without hurting themselves because, in my opinion, I see it as they get so tunnel-visioned on just progressing this one area of movement and they go to the point where they start to break versus adding some cross-training in so you can still feel progression without while giving your body time to rest. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back to your main passion, you're refreshed and you're ready to hit it harder. Yeah, I mean, like, nowadays, um, like I said, after seeing my sport as, like, a career and stuff, that was, like, a total shift for me. I was like, okay, I need to actually, like, be serious about the progressions when I'm taking a move outside or something. Like, I need to know for a fact that I'm not going to get hurt when I do this. And, like, a lot of that comes from knowing how to fall. Like, if you don't know how to fall, then you need to go back to that basic and learn that first because in parkour you will fall it will happen and if your body's not ready for it and you don't know how to react then you're gonna get hurt it's just going to happen but like you know right now i'm super confident going for a lot of things that like even if i wasn't 100 percent sure i could land it i know for sure i'm gonna be safe because like my body knows exactly what to do like every time i fall like that is one thing i've gotten really good at is just falling correctly and like being aware of like where to put my arm or where to put my head and you know like what I need to protect so I think that that's super important is learning how to fall it's going to help you so much and it might even give you a career in stunts like me (laughs) (laughs) and what is sorry what no I was gonna say like it's so important I'm so happy to hear you say that because you Mm -hmm. are someone that has reached to you've reached the professional level and you're telling us that it's important to learn the basic like that's probably the first thing you learn on day one of any parkour class or martial arts class mm-hmm. or anything like that, how to fall. And it's just like, yeah, dude, like, why do you think we teach it to you first? If you understand how to fail, you understand how to get back up from that failure. You keep going. You keep going safely. You don't break along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's when I first started free running, by the way, like we didn't have classes. We didn't have coaches. I just saw what I saw from YouTube and I would take it outside and, you know, not knowing how to do any of it correctly. And so that like already lends itself to so much danger and getting hurt and stuff. But knowing how to fall correctly is key. And then I think that a lot of people get really excited and they see like, you know, people doing big stuff and they they think that that's what they need to do in order to like achieve a certain level or something. But like it takes time. Like, you do need to progress into those things. You need to learn your basics and don't just skip over it. It's super important. Otherwise, you're going to have a whole bunch of holes in your training anyway, and it just kind of looks ridiculous. Like, if you can double side flip, but you can't con correctly, you know, it just looks really bad. So I would say learn your basics first, and then you're going to be strong enough to be able to do those things down the road. But learn the basics first because they're they're so important. Totally agree. Now... You've clearly practiced your basics a bunch. You've made it pretty far. And I get the sense that some people, when they look at your social media, this was something we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. they might say like, oh, like, wow, like, I wish I could do that. Or when they look at, not even just you, but when people tend to get on social media and they watch athletes or people living the life they want to live, and they're just like, oh, like, that should be me. Like, I wish I could do that. I'm so <laughs> jealous. It's like, well, no, you don't wish you can do that because, like we said before, if you really wanted it, you would work for it. You would 
actually, you don't know the sacrifice that someone else made. So I'm a little curious, if you don't mind sharing, what was the sacrifice you made or you feel you made in order to get to the level that you're at currently? Because I know you're still growing. You still have a place you want to get to. But currently, I'm sure there was sacrifice made at some point. What does that look like? I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice I've made, like sleeping in is one of them. Like, I don't do that. Like, I get up and I go train and I make sure that it's like the first thing I do every morning. And um, I, when I first wanted to get serious about pursuing this, I was working a full-time job as a nursing assistant. And that's where I thought my career was going to go, is I thought I was going to be a nurse. And I was doing this job and I hated it. Like, (laughs) well, I wouldn't say hate it. (laughs) That's like, that's a harsh word. Like, I didn't hate it. It was, it was a really hard job for me. And um, it was just, it was hard taking care of old people. It was hard watching them die. It wasn't like a thing that I was super passionate about either. I was like, this is just going to make me depressed someday. And like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I just remember thinking that. But at the same time, I woke up every morning at four. I would go lift weights. I'd go work an eight and a half hour shift. I'd go coach gymnastics. And then I would go train parkour afterwards with whatever time I had left in my day, which just really wasn't that much. But it was that, that was the sacrifice that I had made for so long. And like, it's just always finding time to train and always finding time to make it work because it's there, that time is there, but people are like, oh, but I wanna, you know, go out with my friends or I wanna, you know, sit at home and watch Netflix or whatever. Like there's always time for your goals. Like you just have to prioritize and you have to make it work. So um, it's just moving things around that maybe you wouldn't want to, but if this is really important to you, then you need to make it like your number one priority. And that's what I did for so long. And I still do like every day and, um, sacrificing, like eating dessert and stuff like that. A lot of times I just don't do it because if, if I go down that road, there's no stopping me. Like I'm going to continue to eat that way. And I know that about myself. So I just don't do it. And, um, yeah, just constantly like trying to find ways to improve yourself in general too, is like in some ways a sacrifice. And I, (laughs) I moved away from my family. I've done like a lot of things that were just really hard to do in general, but like it put me in a position to be able to pursue what I want to pursue. And like, not everybody's willing to do that. And I realized that I'm in a really special place because of that. So yeah, it's just, it's hard, but like those sacrifices need to be made. If you're going to get to where you're going, you have to get out of your comfort zone and make those sacrifices. Yes. I'm in full agreement of that because as you just said, like getting out of your comfort zone, I think that's beyond crucial for growth. I don't think growth ever happens in the comfort zone. It's super cliche. And you're right. A lot of people don't ever put themselves in a place where they're like, all right, like I'm really not comfortable here. I'm going to move away from home. I'm going to move away from my friend group. I'm going to move away from the security of knowing I could work at this location, the security of knowing I have a home the security of knowing I have a community. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of scary stuff to do. But for you to go out and be able to find that for yourself elsewhere, you start to build yourself, you build your character, and you know you're resilient. You know you're able to take on whatever comes your way. And that, I feel, gives you a strong foundation or a core to be able to step into any other challenge. So now it's not just movement, you know. You have the sponsorship with Yokohama, and you're able to go and have that meeting and get yourself into that position. So although the opportunity is brought to you by another means, you're the one that's prepared for that opportunity by 
earlier in your life practicing just getting out of your comfort zone and being somewhere where you're like, all right, like I don't know how I'm going to make it work. I just know I'm going to make it work. Yeah, and the and the funny thing about that too is the more you get out of your comfort zone, the easier it becomes. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand because if they're if they're just constantly living their day to day life and they never do anything like meaningful or something that was like crazy for them, then of course it's scary. Like think about going outside, for example. If you never go outside and you don't know what's out there, it's gonna be terrifying every time you go outside. But if you went outside every day and you saw like that things are totally okay out there, <laughs> then like it's it's less scary over time. So I don't know if that was like a good analogy or not. <laughs> it definitely wasn't, but like, but it's just like understanding that even if you fail, it's gonna be fine. And even if like things don't work out the way you wanted them to, like they might actually work out for the better that way. And that's like one of the key things I've learned is like every time I get upset about something not working out the way I thought that it was going to in my head, it actually might be better. Like the scenario is like better than I even imagined it would. Right. So that's a really important thing is to realize that like when it's scary and you're out of your comfort zone, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm not doing things the way that I thought I was going to be doing it. It might be because there's more to come ahead. It's interesting because I think a lot of times people have expectations Mm -hmm. and the expectations could potentially let them down in the sense of, you know, they'll tell themselves it's supposed to go this way. Well, nothing is supposed to go anyway. You need to do it and accept it for the reality of what it is. You know, if I go out and I want to go do a descent and the descent is just not feeling right, all right, today it's not feeling right. This is what it is. And that's the reality of the situation. And if it's feeling right, it's feeling right. I could go ahead and I can do it. So we got to try and step into I feel like new situations without the expectation of like it needs to work this way like no I'm going to see where it is if I get negative feedback so many people are afraid of getting that negative feedback or getting the no it's just all right you got the no why did you get the no okay what can I do so that the next time I encounter this situation I increase my chances of getting the yes how could I prepare myself how could I make myself better when we step out of the comfort zone and we step into that unknown and we allow ourselves the possibility of failure when we let it be okay to fail, we can learn, oh, okay, like I'm just never going to make that mistake again. Yeah. And it's a learning process. And it's odd that so many people are afraid of that when if they look into their own self-history, they'll mm-hmm. see from their negatives so much good has come. I don't know if that's maybe a trained mindset or to me it seems like that should be something that's obvious how do you feel do you feel that the ability to learn from your mistakes is something that you have to consistently work towards or is it just a given and it's more so the ability to step into the unknown that's the hard part no i think that it you have to work at it like you have to train your mind to understand how to accept failure and stuff because a lot of people like will use that as an excuse in the future and stuff if they fail at something they won't try again which is like absolutely crazy to me you know because you see a baby fall over but the baby gets back up and keeps trying to walk like imagine if it was just like the first time it got up and tried to walk and falls down it's like i'm just done i'm never gonna try and walk again you know but like so you have that you're born with that instinct right to get back up and keep trying and stuff but somehow as we get older we kind of lose that and it's it's odd to me that like we become so afraid of failure. And, 
you just you have to train your mind that like it's okay to fail like it totally is and I think about that every time I like I use that analogy outside of parkour as well because I use it in parkour a lot too like if I'm scared to do a move and then I go for the move and like I bail and I get back up it never hurts as bad as I think it's going to you know and I'm, I'm like okay I didn't die I'm all right it hurt a little bit, but that's like the worst thing that's going to happen. And then I go again and I'll go until I land it and stuff. And so I use that all the time in my in life outside of that as well. It's just like, you're going to get told no, especially in the career that I've been. You get told no often, <laughs> but it's not, it's not as scary as it seems. You're just like, oh, okay, whatever. And then you move on because if you, if you took it personally, every time you got told no, you'd really be in trouble. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I'm happy to hear you say that because I'm a huge believer that the parkour right now, it's just a medium. As much as we love it, it's a medium for teaching us these sort of life lessons. So to hear you say that, you know, you're able to take your lessons learned in parkour and use it in other situations in your life, that is amazing. Off the top of your head, would you happen to remember any situations where it was very clear that okay this was a lesson i learned in parkour and i'm going to use it right now to see myself through this situation whether it be a job a relationship uh something happening a significant event life event occurring do you have that story um kind of i'm trying to think of like a very specific example but i guess um usually in parkour you learn how to adapt like really quickly you know you you learn how to, like, if you don't land something and you're, like, going to your next move or whatever, you learn how to, like, counter that to make it still look good, like you didn't mess up or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's something that I've, like, genuinely thought of, like, in a life experience. And I'm trying to think of exactly what that was. Because um, I think it was, like, when I thought I was going to work on a film all summer. And then I found out last minute, they're like, oh, you know what? Like, you don't have the right body type. And, like, at first it's hard to hear. You're like, because oh, it's something that you feel like I could control that and, like, I should. And then I think about it and I'm like, no. Because, like, this this body is, like, literally what helps me do what I do. And, like, I wouldn't be having the career that I have without it. And so, like, hearing that, that I wasn't, like, skinny enough for this role and stuff, like, at first it's super upsetting. But then I thought about it and I was like, no, you know what? Like, I adapt to this because, like, there are other things that I am useful for. And, like, that's just not the thing that I'm going to be useful for this time around. It's okay. Like, there's other moves that I can do and there's other things that I can do in life that will adapt to, like, what I need and what, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, like, you just got me so stoked by saying that because I love that in the sense, I feel like that takes a level of self-awareness when mm -hmm. you're recognizing, okay, like, wow, that sucks the hair, but at the same time, if you don't want me, I don't want to be there because I don't want to be somewhere I'm not wanted. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't quite make it there where they hear, no, you're not good enough, and they believe, okay, like, I need to change to what that person wants from me. Mm -hmm. Well, why? You know, like, if you really want this thing and you're willing to subject yourself for your own intrinsic reasons and internal reasons, mm -hmm. then cool, change yourself because you're doing it for you but to change yourself for the opinions of others personally I think that's a little like don't sell yourself short like you're worth so much more everyone's worth way more if they're willing to see the value in themselves for so sure super nice to hear you say that actually like yeah it's stung because it will sting 
but you know better that, you know, like, fine, dude, you don't want me, like, you don't think I'm the right body type, cool, I'm not the right body type for your message, for your mission, but I am the right body type for what I'm trying to do. And to be, like, to be very honest and everything, that's, like, the majority of why I get turned down roles is literally my body type. It's not, it's not because people don't like it. It's because like, it doesn't match like the person I'd be doubling and stuff. Like my legs are just too big. Like and they just are <laughs> like, so when I get told that I try not to take it personal because it's not really something that I can change. So, you know, I've learned very much in life that like, you shouldn't stress about things that you can't control. And like, while I could maybe lose like, you know, five more pounds and be good with it. Like it's not going to really help me at all career wise. Like what I'd rather do is just be strong enough to be able to continue like pushing myself in parkour and like the jobs that will come will come like the, the good ones and stuff where I'm like needed for exactly who I am as a person and they're out there. They exist. That's awesome. So you just sparked two questions oh, from boy. me and <laughs> Hopefully you can answer these. So the first one, you know, just because we're on this topic of self-awareness, like I said before, I think it's really important to know yourself because it just gives you a strong foundation to walk through the world. You know who you are. You could stand true for your beliefs. I would ask you, do you feel that in your life currently you've gotten to a point where you know yourself a bit better? Um, and then kind of what was that transition like? I know personally in my own life, I remember very clearly where I finally, I refer to it as taking off the mask. I've been someone growing up that has always been really good at knowing what to say to people to keep everybody happy. So I was a people pleaser. And for a long time, cool in the sense it's a nice tool and no one ever got mad at me, no one ever hated me, and people always felt really comfortable around me, but it sucked in the sense that I always felt like I was putting on a mask, and it got to the point where I wasn't sure who the original person that put on the mask was anymore because I would always instantly change my opinion to make the other person feel comfortable. So at a very, I think I was about 22 or 23, something clicked where I was like, okay, like, you know what? I've done enough people pleasing for a lifetime, time to see what I'm into and let's please just myself for a little bit and see what that's like. So did you have a moment like that for yourself where you, I don't know, just decided you were going to live life for you? Um, I, yeah, definitely. I think that there was a more specific one where like, I, of course there was like a time in my life where I was like, I'm going to live for me, blah, 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 be happy, right? But I think, like, I had, like, a really profound change happen to me, like, within the past year. Well, it was a little bit more, but it was actually when I did the LaFleur lace-up tour, like, with Jesse and everything for promoting his new shoe. And, um, like, while we were on the tour, there was just everything was changing every day. You know, like, you wake up in a new city, you go train and blah, blah, blah. And, like, you're constantly put in these new scenarios. So I feel like since we were doing that so much, I started getting used to the idea that I, I was changing as a person and, like... I didn't really know myself too much. Like I, I realized I was having like a whole blown like identity crisis where for a long time I was like a jealous person. I put too much of my self-worth on movement. And it's like, it's a thing that I still have to work so hard to like 
get out of because like I'm constantly in my head thinking about like oh that wasn't good enough or like this could be better or this 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 because I'm such a perfectionist with like my movement and myself and everything like I constantly want to improve myself that's like the biggest goal in my head is constant improvement it needs to happen all the time but um when I was on the tour I just feel like being in in that moment like I learned so much about myself and like happiness and like what I needed to do to like create happiness within myself and let go of things that weren't quite bringing me there like things that were holding me back and I just let go of those things and I felt immediately better and um yeah just like I don't I don't know where I was going with that (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like um just being in that scenario like I realized that yeah I don't need to live for anybody else I just need to live for me and um I, I'm not someone that is good at, like, hiding how I feel or anything. Like, you'll know if I'm upset. Like, it's very obvious. <laughs> like, so a lot of people are like, oh, Sydney's, like, so rude. And it's like, it's not. I'm just, like, I'm just really bad at hiding, like, any sort of emotion whatsoever. So, like, you can tell if I'm uncomfortable, which I am now because <laughs> I'm, like, bad at talking to this kind of stuff. But, like, yeah, it's just, it's understanding, like, how to live for you. And, like, I feel like I know myself really well, but I'm also learning a bunch of new stuff about myself every single day because I put myself in new scenarios all the time. I travel a bunch. And like, I feel like the person who I was last year, like during the summer is like totally different than how I am now. But, you know, I keep getting older, I keep getting more mature and stuff. And I feel like there's just a whole bunch of growing to do. And even though I know myself now, like I might be different tomorrow or I might be different in a couple months or whatever. And I'm just kind of open to that. I'm open to growing and changing and not necessarily knowing who I am at the moment because I will eventually right? (laughs) That is so awesome. And yeah, I completely agree. It's you have a growth mindset from this week of just getting to know you. It's very obvious. And I like that you said, you know, last year during the tour, that's when you were really able to see, all right, like, who am I? Because I think traveling allows a person to have that freedom because you're now away from everyone and everything that knows you. So when you're away from all of that and you're now in unknown scenarios, you have the ability to present a version of yourself. And when you start to realize like, okay, like I can present any version of me and no one's going to be able to say that's not you because no one knows it's their first time meeting you. That's when you start to see, okay, like what do I like to show? Which part of myself do I like to show? Okay, that's the part that I most identify with because I'm in a room full of strangers and this is what I'm putting out there. And that is such a powerful thing. I think traveling, just on a side note, should be something everybody incorporates into their life because it does allow you to have these moments of profound growth and you don't have to question it. It's not a theory or it's like, how would you act in a room full of strangers in the middle of a new country? You know, because you did it. Because we all like to believe we would do, we would act one way. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, if he said that to me, I would fight him. Like, no, you wouldn't, dude. Like, I've seen you in that situation in real life, and you freeze. You don't do anything. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we actually put ourselves in these situations because the experience is way more powerful than just the intellectual knowledge. As much as you learn through conversation and reading it's you really have to live it you know life is meant to be experienced on that kind of feeling base yeah i i so agree with that and i think just traveling in general is good because 
then you learn more about other cultures as well. And like learning through, <laughs> learning other people's cultures gives you an appreciation for your own. And it just makes you a better person in general. <laughs> like it just does. I think so, <laughs> I think so too. So I want to ask you a question now about Woodward because you've been hanging out here for a while. Mm-hmm. This is your second year here. How do you feel about the community here at Woodward first? Because I personally like the community, not trying to sway your argument or anything, but I think it rocks. And how do you feel about our parkour area, our parkour park? Um, first of all, the community is really good. Like, I just love how it's just like, there's so many social events. I feel like I already know like all of the campers really well, which is amazing. Cause I just met like half of these guys yesterday. So it's really cool that they feel comfortable coming up and talking to me and like talking to you and just everybody just gets along super well in general, not even just the parkour community, like everybody just, I, I noticed they just all get along really well. And then as far as the parkour um area and like the course is sick like I love training there I wish I would get to do it more often I'm sad that I'm only gonna be here for one more day (laughs) and um as far as like the kids I can see the progression in them it's really amazing to like see them come in and be scared of something but try it anyway like last week we had a little competition and it was so cool to watch those kids work through those mental barriers because like some of the stuff they were doing was really scary and like to see them be like, oh, all right, all right, and commit anyway. And like maybe it didn't go so well for a couple of them. They were still willing to try, and that was just super inspiring just to see kids do that. Yes, I love it. It's one of my favorite things, actually. I remember exactly what you're talking about during the skill competition. Mm-hmm. It's literally like we're watching them evolve on the spot. Yeah. Because you can see it. Like we had that challenge that you and Davis made where they had a Kong down, grab the bar, lashay <laughs> into the polecat. Yeah. I don't think a single kid had ever done a polecat before that day. And I think four or five of them hit that challenge. I was so stoked because the first time I tried polecats, I was not able to do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's so, it was so cool to be able to see them like go from um, there's no way to being able to make it. And like that's going to help them grow so much as athletes. Just that, that one experience alone. It's like I thought that I couldn't do that and then I could. What else can I do that I didn't think I could? Dude, you should not have said that because you just made my brain go like... Oh, no. Because that is one of my favorite things about what this sport can do for the athletes and its participants, especially the kids, is when they have something like that where we gave them that challenge and they were convinced it was impossible. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not happening. It will never happen. But... You know what? Screw it. I'm going to go for it anyway because it's Friday. It's competition day. Everyone's telling me I can do it. My body feels good. I've kind of warmed up already. Okay, you know what? I'll just try it. And they made the impossible happen. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, you don't ever undo it. Like, that's it. You're the person that can make the impossible happen. So now the next time they're faced with challenge, they're like, okay, well, everyone's telling me it's impossible, but... Like, I did the impossible before. And it's just like, that's how they feel. Like, I mean, maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but that's kind of how I felt the first time I ever did something that I thought I would never do, which was, I think, it was a double backflip, I remember. Mm. It was my birthday, and I was just like, I'm going to do a double backflip. And I came around, I landed it, and I was just so amazed because acro was not my thing. Like, it wasn't ever my thing. I didn't get on a trampoline until I was 19 years old. 
So I never got upside down until after I was an adult. Mm -hmm. So double backflip was like, a backflip was already good enough. Double backflip, impossible. Landed it, and boom. I mean, I'd done the impossible beforehand in skateboarding, <laughs> but like that was like extra impossible. No, I, I do it all the time. And it's still like something that I have to remind myself every day, pretty much, because I'll be like, oh, that Kong Pri is really far. That's like, I'm not going to be able to do that. It's like, all right, Sydney, shut up and just give it a try. Just see how close you get. Come on. And like, it will happen every day where I'm like, that's impossible. Then I try it. Then I get really close. And then I drill it for like 40 times until I make it. Or I have to come back to it a different day and then make it. But it's fine because either way, it went from being something that was totally impossible to something that I can do. So that's actually, if anything, like that's super, super useful to take with you in real life, like outside of parkour as well. Oh, yeah. And respecting the process. Yeah. Like that's so key where so many of us don't acknowledge that, like, yeah, that line that you're watching your favorite athlete run probably wasn't first try most of the time not even second or third oh or fifth God, or tenth what <laughs> like, you know what you're telling me it took a full day worth of training and all the preparation for the last 19 years to make it <laughs> you're lying to me you know my favorite athlete woke up one morning and they could just do it okay <laughs> that's the coolest thing about it too is like waking up to messages and stuff from kids saying that like i was an inspiration to them is really really sweet because like I remember being inspired by other people like to this point where and I still am obviously but like <laughs> but just but thinking the same thing where like yeah I, I just didn't assume how hard they worked and stuff and like didn't realize that like of course they worked so hard for that and like it took so much sacrifice and it took everything ever to get to where they are and so it is really cool and meaningful when kids say that to me but yeah, I hope they realize, like, it, it is not easy. And, like, it is something that you have to genuinely work for. And, like, I sucked for a long time, too. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm okay now. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm great because, like, there's still a lot I can improve on, of course. But, like, when I first started, I really sucked. And I, I still suck at certain things. Like, it, it takes time and it takes a lot of practice and stuff. And most of my lines that I film and put on Instagram or YouTube and stuff took many tries. I think that's something we don't get a lot of appreciation for things until we start to do it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, wow, holy cow. Like, that's wow. Like, all right. For instance, when I show people skateboarding videos, they're just like, oh, okay, you know, like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? Um, let's actually go outside real quick. I just want you to ride my skateboard for a minute so and hard they're just like they come back and they're like wait a second so what you just showed me was yeah <laughs> and that's where you know when i find people on social media that hate it's like all right odds are they're not doing it the people that show you love are the people that have begun the process of working towards something and then they start to realize wow like i'm working as hard as i can and i've made this little incremental bit of process um of progress to see my favorite pro athlete be at a level i want to get to wow they must have been working really really hard for a really really long time mm -hmm. and that is just it's everything and it's nice when you hear your favorite pro or someone you just look up to acknowledge and admit like yeah like you know like i know i make it look easy now but it was a lot of work because a lot of times kids are working on things, or even just people in general, they're working on things, and they feel like it's not working yet 
because they're not seeing the exact result of the person that they idolize. Mm -hmm. And the person that they idolize might not yet be saying, telling their story of saying like, hey, like I've been building at this. Like I was there too where it seems like nothing is happening, Mm -hmm. but you keep with it. And I think it comes from a place of you know what it is you're working towards. So that keeps you on track going in the right direction. So with that being said, I have a question for you again. Okay. And that question is, what mountain would you say you're currently climbing? What are you working towards as of right now? Let's say it's, let's go five years in the future, because I think you like to plan out. (laughs) I don't know. I have a feeling that you, like, in certain areas of your life, you plan out. Um, Maybe not for every area of your life, but maybe, like, career-wise or... Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's always a plan with you. At least that's the sense I'm getting where you even within that plan include time to relax and wing it. But let's say it's five years from now and you've had the most amazing five years. You're looking back at it. We're hanging out back here at Woodward and you're just catching me up. You're telling me about what that five years, what those five years were like. What does that look like? To be honest, I have no idea. No and this is why. Because, like, I am such a planner. You're right. Like, I always am thinking about, like, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And it's a good thing on so many levels. But it's also really hard because you develop those expectations and stuff for yourself. And, like, you come up with things that just might not happen or maybe you lose interest and stuff. And five years from now, I'm going to be 31 years old. And... Same. I, yeah, I honestly don't know. Like, I assume I'm going to still be training. I don't know if I'll still be competing. I don't know, like, what that entails for me. Like, who knows? Like, I really don't. Like, I don't want to plan that far ahead right now because I'm just having so much fun kind of winging things right now and being more in the moment than I ever have been, which has been really nice for me, like, to not know what I'm going to be doing next week and knowing that it's like going to be a complete surprise. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be home for a month for the first time in a long time. And I'm like, but I might not be too. Like I could get a call tomorrow. That's like, Hey, can you come out to Denver next week? It's like, all right. And like, I'm totally game for anything to happen at this point. Like I'm, I'm along for the ride. So to be quite honest with you, I just, I can't even put my finger on what it would be. I respect that so much. Because you're leaving yourself, the way I see it is you're leaving yourself open to opportunity mm-hmm. and you're gathering skills along the way, building connections, gaining experience and learning for the future what it is you will want out of life and what you won't want. Yeah. And you only know after you experience it. It's like saying, like, I don't like food. I don't like chocolate. Well, have you ever eaten chocolate? <laughs> like, you got to eat it first to know if you like it or not. And that's the thing, too, is, like, there's, of course, there's so many things I want to do over the next five years. Like, I want to be traveling more. I want to go to Australia. I want to, like, there's so many different places that I want to go to. But there's also, like, the reason why I'm not planning super far ahead right now is because I'm, I've gotten to a place where I'm, like, absolutely living the life that I want to live. So it's, like, there's no desire right now to go any further. Like, I just want to keep doing this. And it's working so far. So, like, I want to ride this as long as I absolutely can and, like, get more benefit from that as well. And just, yeah, I think that the reason why I'm just in a place where I can live in the moment finally is because I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. That is rad. I like that. Now, with that being said, though, (laughs) like, I got to, like, I always have to share my own opinion. And at the end of the day, 
it is just that. It is my personal opinion. Please don't ever think it's like me telling anyone <laughs> what to do. Marlon, it's going to be fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I mean, personally, I study a lot of successful people. I do this all day long. Like, every morning I wake up, listen to a podcast. Every night before I go to bed, mm-hmm. I read a lot. And the reason I do this is I'm trying to gain wisdom from other people's experiences. And one thing that has been a reoccurring theme is the idea that when you set a goal, you're going to eventually accomplish it if you keep working towards it, which is clearly what you did here. You set a goal to turn your lifestyle into one that you enjoy. You're able to pursue parkour and free running as a career and enjoy it and travel the globe and be all over the place mm-hmm. on someone else's dime and you make money doing this. And that's amazing. That's an accomplishment that you worked extremely hard for. And when we achieve our goals, I think what I've found from just the study is the thing is sometimes people don't set a brand new goal and they'll kind of be living in that, like at that peak for a little while and they get away from what got them there Mm. because they just didn't get themselves back in hustle mode, which is why like our favorite, um, if you watch basketball, our favorite NBA players are like, when they're at the interview, they're like, hey, like, so you got your ring. What are you going to do now? Going to practice tomorrow. It's like, what? <laughs> but it took me a while. Like, I used to not understand that. I was like, wait, why is he not celebrating? Like, I don't get it. Why wouldn't he? He just works so hard. But then I finally understood, oh, like, if you don't get back on the grind, it's easy to lose that momentum that you've been building up for so long. Mm-hmm. So when you go to restart something new, it's like, you're really starting from scratch, which isn't a problem. But like, if you gather that momentum and ride it into something else, like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan did it with basketball, uh, basketball and baseball. From basketball, he went to the um, NBA, not NBA, the uh, Major League Baseball. That's an amazing feat. Although when he got there, he was absolutely terrible. Yeah, like, I think we can all admit that. <laughs> but the fact that he made it to Major League Baseball is that's amazing, amazing right yeah. like i don't think a lot of people recognize the fact that he still actually made it into the league mm-hmm. and how was he able to do that he took he rode his momentum from basketball immediately in to baseball which is cool so i always try and advise people to set a new goal immediately after they achieve the current goal and still enjoy it mm-hmm. and be in the moment and live it but just also to be prepared for your next mountaintop to be partying on because it's going to be way higher. Yeah, okay. I'll re- rephrase what I was saying because I still have goals, obviously. <laughs> not like, obviously. <laughs> it's not so much that, like, I'm not setting goals and, like, understanding that, like, I still have to grind every day because I do. Like, I like even when I win a competition, I don't celebrate. Like, I, I don't go out and drink. I go the next day and I'm training again because, like, there's – it's just like, not only do I love it, but like, I love getting better. And it's just like improvement is just the constant goal for me. So like, even if the next five years was just me becoming more of an incredible athlete, that would be totally fine with me. And like, yeah, so right now um, I'm getting ready for NAPC coming up in August. So I'm competing in skill and style. And last year was the first time I competed in skill. And like, that was a goal for me was being like, okay, I feel confident enough to compete in skill. I did okay. Like I got third place, but it wasn't like 
I don't know. I like, I did okay, but I wanted to do so much better, you know, like it wasn't like a bad thing, but like I learned so much from it. I was like, these are the things that I need to be working on. And like, it was a big growth moment for me where I was like, I'm going to evolve the way I train. And I did. And so I'm really excited to go back to NAPC and compete in skill again, because I feel like I'm going to do much better this time around. Not necessarily like place wise, but like, I just know I'm going to feel a lot better doing these challenges and stuff and just be more confident going into it. And then it's like the same with style and stuff like every year, like I just want to get better and like, you know, bring more to the table and push the sport and that way. So I think that's just kind of the biggest thing for me is like, maybe, maybe not like having like a huge goal at the moment, like career wise, like obviously I want to continue to do more TV work, more film work. I want to get like a big movie and make a lot of money doing that and stuff. Of course, like those are huge goals that I have, but I feel like, um, yeah, I guess if we were sitting back here in five years, I'd be telling you about like all the films that I worked on and all the competitions that I've gone out and won and competed in and all the places that I've traveled to and you know, like it would just be all about that kind of stuff. Nice. I like that. And that is a goal, you know, it's because mm-hmm. I'm happy that you genuinely are living the life that you want and you do genuinely see seem happy. And it's not just like a, I think we understand that happiness isn't like a, you live in rainbows and butterflies 24 seven. I don't think nope. that's a happiness. <laughs> Personally, like if you guys are listening and you, that's your idea of happiness. Personally, I don't think that's real. Like, no one's happy 24-7. I think happiness is being on pursuit of your passion and just having a mission that you believe in and you're in a place where you can chase after it. So that's really cool that you find yourself where you are currently loving your life and that you want to continue building more of it. You're not just trying to maintain, but in every aspect of what you're doing you just want to see improvement mm-hmm. that is so dope <laughs> i mean we could always be better so i think that's like just like there's always there's always something to improve on like i i want to improve my mental health as well because i think for a long time like i wasn't very good about that like i'm genuinely like a lot of the reason that i am the athlete that i am is because of things like putting self-worth on my movement and nothing else and that's like a really bad thing to do but it did get help get me to where I am and stuff but like it's something that I want to have less of because I want to understand that even if I don't win a competition I'm okay as a person (laughs) like genuinely people aren't gonna hate me for it and like people will still love me and that like I deserve to still like love myself you know what I mean it's just it's been such a process like you if you don't like constantly work on growing yourself like mentally and it it just like you'll lose it like you'll lose like that ability and yeah it was just really hard for me like understanding that um that I was putting so much self-worth into that so right I think a lot of us do that I know personally I did that a lot in the beginning when I first got into parkour I was lucky enough I started out in Long Island I had Max Henry I'm sure you know him He was a part of my, he was the one that really started the Long Island community. So when I was getting into training, him and some of the other guys were the people I trained with. And I've known Max since I was in kindergarten. I would train with him a bunch. When he would do challenges, I just assumed that was the standard. I didn't understand the different levels in skills. So whatever he was doing was what I would begin to start doing. And 
I would pick it up because he would approach things very calmly. He wouldn't make it seem super hype. So in the beginning, I was progressing very, very quickly. And it became apparent when I started going out to jams and I would train with people. And they're like, whoa, you're super good. Like, you're good at this and you're good at that. And I was like, okay, like, cool. These people like me because I'm good at jumps. I could land on rails and I could do this and I could do that. That's why they're so quick to accept me. Mm-hmm. And Max one year convinced me to go out to Jump Fest, hit up Colorado, go do Jump Fest, telling me there's going to be about 200 amazing athletes out there. It's a fun time. Great. I buy my ticket to Jump Fest. I get on my plane or I buy the plane ticket. Before I go out there, maybe about a month beforehand, I get a pretty bad knee injury. And it's just like my knee is hurting. Jumping hurts. Running hurts. Walking upstairs hurts. And I'm in this position where I already have my ticket. Mm -hmm. So I have to commit because I already spent the money. In my mind, I'm afraid to go out there because, dang, like I'm about to meet 200 strangers who are really good at jumping on things and I can't jump with them. Like, are they going to want to hang out with me? Are they going to talk to me? Like, I I was kind of having like a little bit of a freak out because I was really afraid that these people weren't going to want to be my friend because the only reason they wanted to be my friend was because I was good. I get on the plane anyway because the money was a bigger motivator. And when I get there, I'm finding that these people genuinely still care and they want to hang out and they still want to get to know me. And I'm having people for the first time ever walk up and say like, hey, I've seen your videos. And you know, like they're not even talking about the movement. They're like, hey, that caption that you wrote, really like that hit home. And I'm like, oh my God, like, you guys care and like I was the one building it up in my own mind that you wouldn't like me because I like why was I putting so much worth on the movement what's more valuable apparently from what the reaction I'm getting is the type of person I was being that was the more valuable thing and it's so crazy how so many of us do the same thing like you're telling me the same thing I didn't know that about you and here we are basically sharing the same story which is cool because I think a lot of other people are out there who have this same story and they don't know. No one's ever had the conversation with them to let them know like what's really valued about you is your characteristics, who you are as a person. And the people that don't see that yet, they aren't necessarily people you might be interested in hanging out with because they're at a level and that level isn't that high those people are capable of growing but currently they're sitting at a pretty low level and if you're trying to go somewhere in your life you want to be around people that are at a higher level and those people will appreciate you for who you are not just what you can do to entertain them yeah i think who was it christine dietrich oh i love her i know love you christine i know you're listening to this oh i I love her so She's so, she's so great what did she tell me she texted me this one time but she also like we just had a whole conversation about it i'm trying to remember the exact quote i think it was i oh god you're <laughs> 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 gonna have to pull out your phone like oh let's read uh, i might need to do that i'm gonna pull it up oh my god it's midnight <laughs> oh yeah we're doing this super late for you guys we tried recording yesterday and it was unreal. First off, we didn't have memory to save the conversation because Sydney doesn't stop talking. It's true. And then there was just so much chatter. 
from the room next door. So we decided to come here late night for you guys to give you what you need. I found the quote. Ooh, <laughs> quote time. She said, hey, your value comes from who you are, not what you do. Dang. I know. That is deep. I know, I know. So she, she told me that quote, and I was like, it's exactly what I needed to hear. And I knew that, but it's, like, nice to hear that out right. loud. And, like, it's funny because a lot of times when you have self-worth issues and stuff like that and you're insecure and stuff, you can normally point it back to a certain thing in your life. And so when I finally figured out what it was, I was able to let go of a lot of it. And um, I figured this out also when we were on tour, so it was a very life-changing thing. But when I was growing up and I was in gymnastics as a little kid, um, gymnastics was like my world when I was like seven years old. I just remember loving it and being like, I'm going to do this forever. And <laughs> the thing is, I started out being really good. Like I was kind of a natural at it. And um, I remember my dad even being like, hey, Sydney, if, uh, if you score this or whatever, I don't even remember. I think it was like a 36 all around or whatever. It means you get like a nine on every event at least. So like, I'll take you out for a lobster dinner, like as a reward, you know. And then I did because I was like, I need to prove to him that I can do it. And it was like my second gymnastics meet ever. So he assumed that I just wouldn't have like scored that high and stuff. And so like having that happen, I was just like, oh my gosh, like look at this reward that I'm getting for doing well and stuff, which is like so innocent. But like when you reward for something like doing well at a competition rather than like breaking through mental barriers and stuff like that, it's like, oh my God, not, not to blame my dad or anything. Cause it was more about my coach that I was going to get at. <laughs> Cause like, he didn't understand what he was doing was so harmful, but like he would basically compare me to everybody else in such a negative way. And so like when I'm, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old, maybe even 12, he's like saying, hey, you need to like suck in your stomach more. We're gonna have you like wear this tummy belt. So it literally sucks my stomach in. And like, I think that I'm fat now because like my stomach sticks out and stuff and like, I'm just breathing normally. Oh right. <laughs> so this thing has actually messed up the way I breathe in real life. Like I have to change, like I had to change the way that I breathe as an adult because I was doing it wrong because of this like right, weird thing. Diaphragm, yeah. Like I would suck in my stomach all the time and not breathe normal. <laughs> and so like, so it wasn't even just that, but it was just like, we had like a rank and everything too. Like, and if you were in the top three, you were just treated better. And if you were like below that, you were just like not treated very well. Like you didn't get as much attention. And so it's just kind of like, basically when I was a kid, cause you know, like your subconscious is basically like a little child. It's like, I'm going to absorb what I see and I'm going to take it like at face value, not even like go in depth about it, but like my subconscious was telling me my entire life, if I'm not good enough at what I'm doing, I don't deserve love. I don't deserve attention. I don't deserve anything. And so that I took with me through adulthood. And when I started training parkour, even though it was like something that was fun and I was enjoying it so much, I started getting good and I started going to these competitions. I started winning. And then that expectation started coming all around from everybody else and from myself. And so if I didn't win, or if I like was worried about it constantly, it was because I thought like if I didn't win, then I was not worthy of anything. Like I was just a bad person. But I didn't think that when other people didn't win, it was just crazy. It was so like, it was just so hard on myself that way. But like realizing that it came from that moment was like the way I was able to completely change it and be like, that is stupid. <laughs> and then being able to be like, all right, like I'm finally free from that. Like I just need to, con to make a conscious effort 
to like let go of that. Every time it comes up in my head, just let it go. That's cool that you're able to see, like pinpoint exactly where it happened and come back to it because so many people, sometimes something like that happens so many years back that they can't even uncover everything and get to it and deal with the problem. Because like we were talking about the other night, when you don't deal with a problem, it just kind of keeps re-manifesting itself in your life in so many different ways and shapes, but it's still that same initial problem. And I think that is kind of like a product of the culture that gymnastics used to produce. Still potentially does, but we're not really going to get too much into that. But I really do see it as it's one of those things where people are taught or kids are taught that you're only valuable if you produce this result and that's all that matters, which kind of like you said, like it, it harms them long run in the long term because you hold on to that kind of stuff. That's what I think is so cool about parkour. I think so many of us gravitated towards it for the fact that when we were doing it, people were like our hype man for every little thing, like your first position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like everyone's <laughs> getting so hyped. Your first front flip, yeah, dude. Your first climb up, like, yeah. You got, like, for real, everything was just like, wow, you guys, you're making me feel really good for this. Like, (laughs) oh, my God, thank you. And it's just like, yeah, like, that's how things, I don't think it should be like that all the time. I think there are times where, okay, like, looking at things objectively and seeing it negatively is, like, a benefit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're working with kids and you're growing them, you need to, like you said, your subconscious, it's a sponge. It's taking in mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff and producing a result by with negative energy. Yeah, it could produce a result, but it could also really break people and mess people up in the long run. Well, in his point, too, and he told me this later on, he's like, well, it works for some people. Like, and it does. Like, it worked for one of my teammates. Like, she didn't like being compared. She's like, if someone was like, oh, well, this person did that, it's like, it just motivated her to work harder. For me, it literally shut me down. I think that after that started happening, I don't think I ever podiumed again at a competition in gymnastics. It just, it shut me down, and it made me feel like I was just bad at it. And so then, like, eventually I quit. And so it's like, that's, that, like, knowing that and stuff is, like, so silly now. Like, when it comes to parkour and stuff, it's like, I, I love so much what I'm doing at this point that, like, no matter what, even if I was bad at it, like, I'd still do it. Like, I right. love it. You, you know? enjoy the process. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like, we're not going to stay on this topic for so long, but, like, I just had this conversation maybe three weeks ago with some of the cheerleaders because I never saw a lot of cheerleading in my life. It wasn't really in my community. But here at Woodward, I was able to see a bunch of it. And super cool sport. Love watching them throw people up. However, the other week I was doing a film project. I was using one of the cheerleaders, and we had all the lights in the chair gym cut off, turned on some floodlights, and we are getting some really cool night shots. While he's doing his tricks, we had him doing a standing full in the superhero landing. This kid is hitting it perfectly, getting super height, landing in that perfect superhero position, arm flexed back, in the crowd, like his cheerleading friends are sitting in the crowd in like the darkness and they're just like, boo, dude, that sucks. Oh my God. That's a-. And at first we're thinking, okay, maybe like, you know, that's sometimes like friends do it. Like me and like you saw Davis, how we've been hanging out oh, yeah. all week. Like sometimes like you just like kind of rag on your friends for fun. Mm-hmm. However, it kept going and 
it was just getting progressively worse where they're just like, yo, dude, what was that? You call that a full? And it's coming from the darkness. And he even looks over at one point and says, hey, guys, like, <laughs> like you kind of make me feel insecure right now. And I can just tell, like, you guys are really making him feel insecure. Like, mm-hmm. he just, he said it. And I know he's kind of saying it with a little bit of a laugh, trying to be lighthearted. But it's getting to him. And I could also see it just on his face because he kept doing the move over and over, trying to make it better when the first one was perfect. We told him, like, dude, we don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, 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 I can do it better. I can do it better. And, you know, later on, I talked to one of the cheerleading guys that was a part of that crowd. And I said to him, I was like, hey, dude, like, you know, it kind of felt like you were, you guys were straight up bullying him the other night, you know. He's like, no, no, that's just like cheer culture. That's just what we do, you know. Like, my cheerleading coach from back home, she would literally rip into people so hard that the attitude now comes into like screw you i'm gonna get this in spite of you just to prove you wrong to show you how much i hate you and i was just like um okay (laughs) i mean like yeah i was like i guess it produced results but like at what cost and here's the crazy thing while he was telling me that story his body could not stop fidgeting while he was talking about his coaching like his coach that coached him back home his body was shaking. I've known him for about three or four weeks before this conversation. Never saw his body shake like that. Wow. And I'm like, dude, like, if, like, it works. It'll produce a result, but, like, at what cost? Because when it doesn't work, it really breaks the individual. And when it does work, it still sort of breaks the individual. And I'm looking at you right now, and you, like, he's shaking. And I'm like, dude, like, I don't think it's really, really working because... What about the life after cheerleading? Mm-hmm. What type of person are we leaving in the world after we've gotten that result? And that's where I think a lot of people don't think about. Like, that's why I'm so big into longevity. Because it's like, all right, cool. While you're having fun, enjoy whatever it is you love doing. But what about when you're done doing it? Like you said earlier, one day you might want to go do something else. You might decide, yo, I'm about to be a ballerina. Like I'm, <laughs> living, I'm starting this life at 29 <laughs> or 31, and I don't care what anyone says. And yeah, I mean, and to be left. fair, it's a possibility. Like you yeah. never know. You never know. <laughs> but like, cause, cause, yeah, when I when I quit gymnastics at 14 years old or however old it was, I never ever would have assumed that like a few years later I was gonna find something that was gonna be my career one day where I was gonna be a professional athlete. I never would have assumed that. <laughs> it's so funny. That's so cool. Yeah. So we've been here for a while. I do want to wrap it up, and I want to wrap it up with one last question. Okay. Okay, so this one is for your fans because there are plenty of people that are out there. They follow you, especially young women. You know, we had one girl here who's been super stoked that you've been here, and I'm so happy that you've been able to be here for her to kind of show her a real life example of how she could live her life one day being that role model and her being able to actually interact and talk with you. The question I have for you is what's one thing that you wish people knew about you that they might not pick up through your social media that they might not see in your Instagram or YouTube. What's that thing that if they could take away and be like, okay, like that's what she's trying to tell me. What is that message? I would say that I'm really not perfect. I've got like a lot of issues that I have to work through every day, just like all of you do. And 
basically I'm in my head a lot and it's like it's taken a lot for me to get to this position where I am where I can even have this conversation and stuff so I think that whatever you're going through like things are going to get better and I just want to make sure that that message is relayed because like it's been a real thing that I've gone through for so long and stuff it's just like just being in your head like you have to like constantly get yourself out of it and stuff and be able to like find things that you enjoy to do i don't know is that was that okay no that's a perfect <laughs> oh my god i love that answer like i straight up when you started saying it i was just like yes like that is such a cool answer and you just like that was on the spot sorry for like throwing you on the spot all night but like that was an amazing answer and thank you for sharing that because you have been open and vulnerable throughout this entire conversation and I appreciate that because when you do that, you give permission to other people to be open and vulnerable. And I think the more of that we get when people really start to share who they really are, it's refreshing and it's just uplifting. Like, I don't want to just talk about boring crap. Like, talk to me about what's real. Mm. And you just talk to me about what's real. So thank you for that big time. Thank you. <laughs> awesome so guys thanks for listening if they're not already following you where can they find you um on instagram i am at sydney olson one awesome all right guys we'll talk to you hey what's up i hope you guys really enjoyed that podcast i know earlier i said like we have sydney olson a female athlete but if you've ever watched her clips, you know we don't even need to use the term female, the adjective. It's She's just an athlete. She's an amazing athlete, and she absolutely crushes it. It was cool to have her share where she's coming from, how she's grown, where she's looking to go with the future, and how she lives so presently in the day-to-day as she chases after her goal. Once again, guys, if you got any value out of listening to even just like one sentence, like you could have been like, yo, the first 45 minutes was garbage, but that one thing we said that really hit home, then I ask that you share this with a friend, share it with your family, repost it to your social media, tag us both, witness this underscore brand, tag Sydney Olson, DM us, email us. We will respond. This is how we know that our words are reaching people. Because once we put it up on the internet, I don't get to see how it affects you. It's not like we're having a conversation face-to-face where I can see that my words are leaving an impact. So I need you to reach out and let us know. I'm hoping you guys tune in next week when we interview Sean Higgins. See you next Monday.